The past uh, several Sundays here at Zion, we've been working through a sermon series titled Basic, and we've been addressing things like um, beginnings, uh, how to become a Christian, how to know you're a Christian, how to grow as a Christian, and beliefs, belief in God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to move sort of into uh, continuing that vein of, of what is basic to our Christian faith. But we're moving into the area of behavior, I guess, for lack of a better word. It starts with a B, goes with all of the others. So um, behavior, and we think of things like morality, think about things like uh, uh, even our spiritual practices, prayer, worship, Bible study, things like that, um, as well as being on mission with Christ. That's another basic, if you will, of what it means to be a Christ follower, that we are on mission with Christ and for Christ. And I guess a, sort of to define, what does that mean? What does that look like? I think part of it means that we uh, are pursuing the priorities of Christ. What is it that Christ is about? What is it that he wants us to be about? Uh, Christ's priorities in the world. We know that God wants lost people found and hurting people helped. And so we join Christ in his work in the world, looking for ways that God would use us to to bring that good news and to be good news to others. And Jesus gave his followers uh, what is known as the Great Commission. And that's our scripture this morning. It comes from Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 18. And I'll just, I'll just say it for you. You can just hear it. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, this is was as he was about to leave uh, this world. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the, the baptizing is, is the beginning, the initiation, the winning people to Christ, if you will, uh, the beginning of their journey, and, 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 and baptizing them into that identity of the triune God that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And then Jesus said, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, which means it's not just about winning people or getting people converted, but there's also a nurturing, a discipling process that we also need to be a part of, of helping people to grow into that faith with Christ. So basic to our behavior as Christ followers is this idea of sharing what we have received with others. Uh, we have been blessed to bless others. You go all the way back to really uh, uh, sort of the beginning of, of even in Scripture with one of the major uh, patriarchs, Abraham, our father, who God came to and said to Abraham that all nations, all people on earth would one day be blessed through Abraham's seed. That was fulfilled in Christ. That promise was through the Messiah, the promised one. And we are living. We, are, we have been blessed. We are part of the fulfillment of that promise that God gave to Abraham thousands of years ago. But we have also been blessed to be a blessing. We just sang about it moments ago that the church is to be a hope to the world, that we as Christ followers, as the body of Christ, are to be for hope and healing to the world. This isn't just about us. It's not just about you. It's about the ways that we as a church, as a body of Christ, uh, impact our world by bringing hope and healing. And there are many ways that that happens, aren't there? I mean, every one of us here has a story of, of people who were instrumental in our lives and in, in helping us come to faith or helping faith be formed in us. Maybe it was a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a pastor, a friend. 
someone played an instrumental role, and others also played roles in passing down to us the faith that we have today from one generation to the next. There are, un- there are untold stories of, of the ways that God has used people throughout history. Since today is St. Patrick's Day, I thought I would share with you or remind you, maybe some of you already know his story, but share with you the story of Patrick and the way that God used him. He's considered the patron saint of, of, of uh, Ireland, of course. Uh, Patrick was born in Britain when it was under Roman rule. He was born about uh, 390 A.D., and uh, uh, he was born to Christian parents. He was raised in a in a Christian home, but it would seem that early on he didn't take his faith all that seriously. And about age 16, Patrick was uh, captured and enslaved. He was sent to Northern Ireland where he, was, uh, where he worked as a swine herder. And then he began to pray. His relationship with God began to grow in earnest. He would seek God and pray to God. Eventually he escaped his captors, uh, and eventually he made his way back to, to England. And, uh, but there he started having dreams. He had dreams of Irish children begging him to come back to Ireland, to walk among them, and to share with them the good news of Christ. And uh, he paid attention to those dreams, and Patrick did not feel uh, adequately equipped to go back and, and do that, so he went to France first to a monastery where he got some training, and then he went to Ireland, uh, I think it was uh, 432, about 432 that he went to the Isle of Ireland, and there began working among the Irish people, uh, sharing Christ with them, being Christ to them. And there's a lot of legend around St. Patrick, but the things that seem to be, to, to seem to be actually, um, oh, what do I want to say, true that we, that we can be confident about is that God used him in an amazing way to bring the Christian faith to that Emerald Isle. In fact, most of the Irish converted to Christianity as a result of his uh, coming there as a missionary. And what was even more amazing is there wasn't a single drop of blood shed over that. Uh, Even though the the Irish people were sometimes uh, a bit contentious and tribal, and there were chieftains, and they were very steeped in their Druid worship, Patrick, just in a way, somehow God used him and won them over, and Christianity spread. And Patrick established about 300 churches in Ireland, baptized 120,000 people. It's really amazing. And by the time the Catholic Church sent missionaries to Ireland, they discovered that, that uh, Christianity, Celtic Christianity, was al- already deep and thriving uh, on that island. And uh, it wasn't until about the 1100s that Ireland became Catholic. And uh, because of the admirable, admirable way in which uh, Patrick brought Christianity to the island, uh, the church declared him to be a saint. I, I think the things that I would have you remember about his, about his journey is the, the fact that God used some of the most difficult moments of his life, some of the most difficult times in his life, being a slave, that out of that, God gave him a heart for the Irish people, that he, that he went back, he had the courage and the compassion to work among these people, that Patrick paid attention to the ways that God was at work in his life, even through his dreams, that he, even though he felt inadequately prepared to go and do that work, he went and got the training that he needed, and then he was willing to go where God was leading him. I, it's, it's an inspiring story, it really is, uh, of just the way that God was at work in one person's life. 
And, uh, and God wants to do the same in our lives, in, in our ministries, in our focus, even though it may look vastly different and, and almost certainly will. So I'm going to invite uh, Keegan Harris, who's with us this morning, to come on up, and we're going to just have a little conversation. And um, some of you may know Keegan already from his time at uh, Mission Meadows when he was on staff there. But um, uh, I wanted Keegan to share with us today some of the ways that God has been at work in his life and around him and in our community. So why don't you start, Keegan? Welcome, by the way. Why don't you start by... Uh, you're Irish too, aren't you? Are you uh, maybe? I have a lot of different things. Different things. <laughs> so. I thought maybe you were. Well, let's just say you are. No. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, good to have you Irish with us. Beard, Irish so. beard. Good so. to have you with us today. Yeah, um, why you. don't you just share a little bit, just uh, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself. and. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so originally I'm from Alabama and um, as Pastor Rick said, I, I worked at Mission Meadows and and how I ended up there is uh, I was kind of in between jobs. I was a truck driver for a few years, and, um, and I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. So I came to work at Mission Meadows for the summer uh, on maintenance with uh, with Mark, actually. So And um, it was great. And, and I really uh, took that summer just to kind of uh, pray and kind of see what's next in my life. And at the end of summer, I still didn't really know what was next in my life, and and uh, but it was offered for me to stay there um, more long term, and and eventually I committed to uh, working there for three years, and and in the three years of working there, which ended last uh, December, I f- I fell in love with this area. Um, I started having a I, I don't know I saw a lot of potential in this area in Jamestown specifically, mm-hmm. which I know is weird for a lot of people because I'm from where it's warm and, and beautiful. I'm actually from the coast uh, of Alabama, and I come up here, and uh, I think the first winter we had that snowvember. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought it was great, because I'd never really seen snow uh, or lived where there was snow. So, But, um, but yeah, over those three years, I, I really began to have a heart for Jamestown, and I saw a lot of potential here, and, and I... So over the course of those three years, I was kind of seeking what was next, and I really felt like God wanted me to stay. And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything, any big news? Anything exciting going on in your life these days? Oh yeah, <laughs> I got engaged <laughs> last night. Last night. <laughs> last night. Last yeah. night he got engaged. Isn't that crazy? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many more questions now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, tell us what's going on right now. You, so you stayed in the area, and uh, you're working with young adults, but sort of how did that come about, and uh, how did God put that on your heart? And... Yeah, so over the course of uh, working at Mission Meadows, um, I, I was just, like I said, I was seeking what was next, and um, I, I started working with Impact a little bit at JCC, and... Um, and kind of that age group, college age, young adults, is kind of what I felt most comfortable with, I guess, with uh, kind of talking to them about God. And, and I understood a lot of where they were at um, because I, most of my, I'm, I'm 30 now, but for like 18 to 23, I really struggled with belief in God. I, there's a few years where I didn't even really believe in God. I didn't really follow God. 
um, many more years after that, and even sometimes to this day where I still wrestled with that and I still struggled with it. So I understood where they were coming at with their questions and their doubts, but also I understood what it was to long for purpose and and not know where to really look for it as well. And and so I began uh, working with JCC Impact, and um, and over that I I uh, was walking one day down Second Street, and I saw a building, and I looked in the building. It was set up like a bar, and and I'm kind of a visionary, so when I saw that um, a bar that had closed down, and when I saw that I, I just it immediately popped into my head like a place for young people to come and hang out. That's more of a a positive place uh, that can encourage them to, um, in their walk uh, with God, to find purpose, uh, even if they don't believe in God, maybe uh, um, introducing them to the spiritual life and to to Jesus. And so just to have an outreach location. And so out of that vision sparked uh, kind of a ministry I started called Awaken, uh, which... um, specifically reaches out to young adults in Jamestown, the surrounding areas, um, and specifically those who aren't involved in church and don't go to church. So, uh, I like that name, Awaken, just the idea that God is the one who awakens us to himself. So are there, there must probably some unique challenges in reaching out to uh, a demographic or uh, a population that I'm guessing most of them are probably unchurched? Yeah, uh, <laughs> especially in this area. Um, the national statistic is 73% leave the church, um, the, those who grew up going to church. Um, and so a lot of them come back when they get married or they kind of settle in their life and stuff. But um, but I think one of the biggest challenges is the fact that um, kind of everything we do in life is we're taught to take care of kind of our physical selves or our mental um, or our even social lives. Uh, those Those are hold extreme value in succeeding um, in life. However, like, the spiritual aspect of our lives aren't really held to a higher value than it probably should be. And so, so getting young people to realize, like, this, our spiritual lives are equally, if not more, important because as we pursue, um, as we pursue growing our spiritual life, we, we encounter Jesus and Jesus ultimately should be at the center of, of all those other things, our social and our um, uh, physical and our mental and all of that. So we can, because we can pretend, I guess, to find purpose in, in the physical stuff we do if we're an athlete or in the um, uh, mental or if you're academic or in the social, if, if uh, you have hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram or whatever, but... Uh, but the reality is, is the purpose comes from our spiritual life to where we have true meaning and we can live for something bigger than ourselves. So, Yeah, human beings are made for worship. We are spiritual beings and we'll worship something uh, if we aren't directed to what is the source or the object of our worship. Uh, so these young people that you're working with, young adults, are you finding that they are receptive or hungry or seeking? Is, is, is there an openness? Um, actually, it actually surprised me that there was because uh, okay. a, a lot of friends I kind of grew up with that 
fell away from God. They don't really want to talk about God anymore or anything. Um, a lot of the ones who never really grew up in church are actually a lot more interested in, in hearing about Christianity. I took uh, two semesters ago, three semesters ago at JCC. Um, I was kind of took the semester. I took a class at JCC so I could be on campus more. And um, I would sit three days a week in the student union and talk to students. And it was... 90% of the time, I didn't have to bring up Jesus or anything. The students started talking about it. And, um, and maybe how I was talking to them kind of directed them in that way. I don't know. But there was a desire for that. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was even ones who didn't really grow up in church and, and those who hadn't been to church since they were a kid or something like that. So, You, you probably have some uh, churched young people that are coming as well. Is that How does that work when you get all these young people who are on a journey and others who maybe think they've arrived together. Uh, I'm I'm baiting you. I'm sort of baiting you. I tell them that we're all still on a journey. We're all still on a journey. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, at first, uh, like, my heart was to reach out to unchurched um, young adults because there are a lot of young adults in this area who, who do go to church and... And so I was, at first, I was just kind of like, I don't really want anyone who's going to church to be a part of this, uh, for, yeah, for various reasons. <laughs> there, but, there can be good reason for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as I was praying and, and kind of talking to more people, the reality is, is um, they're peers, like they're of each other's age. They understand where each other's at in mm-hmm. life. There are those who are following God, and I think their peers need to see that in following God, things happen in their life, and things change, and they, they, uh, they live a certain way to a higher standard and, than, than we're capable of without following Christ. And so I, I think meshing the two, although I haven't run into any problems yet, but I can foresee where there could be problems in the future, um, but it's necessary and just like it is in our churches where we invite people in who who aren't part of what we do or our normal way of doing community and and maybe they break some of the moral laws in our community or whatever that is but like that doesn't mean they don't belong there because that's how christianity christianity is really different than than a lot of other communities are so uh, I guess along with that line and something you shared with me before as well, just I know you're trying to create a space that is safe for these young people to explore and ask questions. And uh, uh, is, is that easy for you? Uh, well, I thought it what would What are the be? challenges th- of that, I guess? Yeah, I thought of, it would be. Of creating and keeping a safe place. I thought it would be, um, I think it, it's not necessarily that it's challenging. I think the hardest thing is when we hear something wrong, when we hear something that's completely so far out there, like we immediately want to correct it. Like we want to give our opinion. We want to share like, hey, you're wrong. This is how it is. A lot of times people need to verbally process and, and sometimes when we correct them that that strictly, then, then we're shutting them down from being able to process more because in the future, they're probably not going to share more about mm. what they're walking through. So I, I think for me, it, 
the challenge is just trusting that this person's on a process that I don't always have to correct them immediately or anything like that. And, mm-hmm. and I have to, for the last um, probably six months, I've been having a group that meets at my house and we have dinner together. Uh, there's been upwards of 25 people that have come um, into my tiny apartment. <laughs> and, um, and the one rule I do have is you let someone share what's on their heart. I usually share a story from scripture and you can share what's on your heart. But the one rule is, is you don't correct anyone for what they share because mm. I, I think there's a place for that. Um, usually when you're in relationship with someone and, and you get to know them, maybe that can happen a little more quick than, um, than becoming best friends with them. But, but the thing is, is I don't necessarily, that's not what that place is for. This, the place is to, for people to seek and to be encouraged to seek and to be encouraged to ask questions and be encouraged to ter- tell their thoughts to us, even though their thoughts might be really off the wall and, and weird. <laughs> which there has been some of that. Okay. So. Um, you mentioned to me the other day when we met that you, uh, I, I, how to put it, this uh, sort of following the example of Jesus and the way that he reached out and the way that he connected. Uh, can you say a few words about that? Yeah, so growing up, I grew up in the church and uh, I was raised in the West, Wesleyan church. Then I went to Assemblies of God as a kid, the Pentecostal church. And... Hmm. Um, it was always encouraged not to become, like, to be careful of who you hang around, to be careful of, of uh, maybe hanging out with people who are bad influences on you and stuff. And over the past year, I've kind of been thinking about that because there's this thing called the, or this person called the Holy Spirit that dwells in us as Christians. And, and a lot of times... We try to protect ourselves um, from from outside things that could be leading us. Is this working? Or, okay. Uh, the, we try to protect ourselves from things that can influence us, and so we like build these walls around whatever we're trying to protect ourselves from. But the reality is, is like we can protect ourselves all our want, but like if we're not believing in the Holy Spirit within us, that He can change us and that He can make us new then uh, we're going to fall no matter who's in our lives or who, who our influences are or whatever. Like, we're still going to sin because, like, we have to trust on the work of the Spirit uh, in our hearts and changing us, um, changing our spirits. And, and so I look at the life of Jesus, and, and I've heard this verse my whole life, but I think about a year ago it really impacted me. And it's the fact that Jesus never really cared about his reputation with religious people at all. Like, he could care less about that. He lived a holy and perfect life, he, but he didn't care what image he had by the people he hung out with. He hung out with tax collectors and sinners to the point to where he was called a drunkard and a glutton and a friend of sinners. <laughs> And, and I realized about a year ago that I want that reputation. Um, I don't necessarily care about my reputation with religious folks. I'm, I'm cool hanging out at the bar with people. And, and I know. <laughs> and just getting to know them. And I don't have to 
partake in what they do, I can live on the standard that Jesus has set for us and that he helps us live with the Spirit, by the Spirit. I don't have to worry about falling because I, I trust in the Spirit. And so I can hang out with people who, who maybe I grew up thinking they were people I probably shouldn't be around. And so, so for me, that's been huge this past year is just not worrying about what a person's like or what they do or anything like that, just loving them where they're at and being and going to meet them, going to their house and eating or and not expecting them to come to church because most young people aren't going to come to church if you offer it. But I can go to where they are and and be where they're at and not worry about that because I have the spirit within me. Yeah. So. King and I wanted you to be here today because I'm excited about what you're doing because I, you know, sort of been paying attention to this journey that you've been on and excited that you have a heart for uh, uh, young adults in our community and that you're pursuing that. Uh, you have the ears of the church right now. Anything that you want to say to us, <laughs> the established church? <laughs> a word? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I have hope for, like, the local church is, it's been the past and I believe it's going to be the future. Like, it, it's a necessary... We, we sang a few moments ago that the church is the hope of the world. Do you believe that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you and, can say I have my doubts at times. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I do. Um, but it's, it's, there's nothing like it in the world. There's nothing like the church. And when the church is living up to the commission that Christ laid out for us, and when we're living up to sharing the love that has been given to us, it can do incredible things in the community, in the world, and it has for millennia. <laughs> and so, so I think what I would like to share is the fact that um, all of us, as the church, we're called to like go out. We're called to leave the pews on Sundays and not just come back here next Sunday, but to do stuff throughout the week and to invite people into our homes, even though that might be a little weird in our culture, but maybe we need to, I don't know what it is, but we need to go out from here and to serve the people that we come into contact with on a daily basis and show them love because the reality is, is Christ talked about we can have life to the fullest and we've all experienced that. Those who have experienced Christ and have invited them, him into their hearts or or however you want to explain that, like, we have that, we have a peace that in the midst of chaos and poverty or whatever it is, that we can, we have a hope that nothing can take away from us. And why would I not want to share that with other people? And this isn't even about some future event of heaven or hell, but this is about a reality now that we can live. And, and sometimes we're trying to save people from maybe a future thing that's going to happen, but people can live life to the fullest now in Christ. And, and that's what I want to share with the world. And, and honestly, that's the church's role is as a community, we go out into the world and we share that hope to people who desperately need it. And you can walk down the streets of Jamestown and see that hope is needed. We all need hope. And a lot of us have found it in Christ, but like there's a lot of, there's thousands of people in Jamestown who desperately need it. So...
Thank you again for being with us here this morning. Uh, Keegan will be out in the lobby between services, I guess, and uh, I guess there's, a, there's some information there. If you, if you want to connect, if you want to support his ministry, be pray, in prayer for him and with him, that would be great. In fact, can we pray? We're going to pray with you right now if we could, so let's pray for him. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for the ways that you are always at work in this world. We thank you for this uh, little bit of story that we've heard this morning, God, of the ways that you're at work in our own community and in Keegan and through him. And God, we ask your anointing on his ministry as he works with these young adults. We pray, God, that you would bless it with fruitfulness. Uh, we pray for those young adults who uh, are getting connected with him, that their hearts would be open to you. We pray for an awakening for them. And we thank you, God, for this great work that is happening right here in our midst. We ask your blessing on Keegan in Jesus' name. Amen.